alive. Let me throw that away. What do you do? Break kneecaps with that? My God. Yeah. It's my new side hustle. That's how'd you bring my money back? Don't ever say side hustle ever again. Come on. Oh. Hello, welcome to Schmodown Center. This is the post breakdown show done by the MBE crew about the Schmodown and all its glory. And today you got myself. Hey, I'm Tony. How you doing? As well, joining me, the rookie geek of the year. <laughs> Mr. Thomas Scully. How you doing, champ? Yeah, I believe I believe I believe the term is now Scully Juice, as coined Scully by Juice. James Spence. Adelaide. Um I don't oh uh, Adelaide Spence. Yeah, Adelaide. my bad. Um yeah, let's so let's not let's just not talk about that. Let's not talk um, about Scully yeah. Juice. No, dear God. Please I have to hear talk. I have to hear enough from Boatman about that. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> We're off to a rolling start. Um, oh yeah, yeah. See, uh, see, season premiere. Um, solid match. Uh, I think this is more about like smack talk and you know, you know the the relationships between the managers and the players and things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that was a little overshadowed um, of the match itself, which was high quality. I was surprised by how high scoring it was. Yeah, absolutely. Both of them showed up. Um, so it really was a case of it was an SEN live match. It was a match built from there. It's like, do you watch it SEN live at much? Or I dabble. I dabble sometimes. Uh, I'll watch it like if I'm like if I'm eating lunch between classes. I'll turn it on for a bit. But I, I I'm not one to watch you know the full show. Mm. Um, but I know that the gist of you know Ben Goddard and the Bagel Boy. Uh, rift uh between him and rb3 him and bonnie somerville him and roxy basically ben goddard having beef with everybody within a half mile of him pretty much um, yeah seems gallo can make an argument with a brick wall at this point yeah but it's an interesting one because having that be your first studio match is are you kind of limiting the audience because both of them like rb3 obviously he has played before he's owen Tuvo. ben goddard is a brand new rookie is, was it a smart option to go for two players that haven't got that notoriety either in the slowdown or out, really outside, apart from in the SEM bubble? I think because you have two people, I think on, on two fronts it's smart because one, you have two two people from SEM who the slowdown community love, and they watch that every day. So to see two people they watch on the daily compete in a match like that is great. It's going to bring in viewers. On the other hand, you don't want to start off uh, the, the first city match of, of, of the year with two people who are like neck deep in like storylines and stuff like mm. that. Right. It's an, and I, and obviously it's been built up pretty much since day one of SEN. Those two have been bickering at each other. So at least it's got that opportunity for it. I mean, yeah, it's no like Red Sox, Yankees, uh, you know, anything like that, but you know, there's, they've got some good stuff going on in there. Um, the trash talk is, it was high uh, between those two. I think Goddard had the better cracks at RB3 than likewise. Um, yeah, I, I think his I think his sort of character is going to be interesting this year because you know we saw at the beginning with Kate and Grace. Uh, see, uh, you know, you know that Grace wants to have Kate keep doing the accent because it really pisses me off. So I mean, look, look, I live in Chicago. I hear those Midwest accents every goddamn day. Personally, I don't need to hear them in the show now, but. If it's what works, if it's what gets them wins, then then by all means. Uh, but you know, we'll see if uh, Ben really embraces that full heel side of him. He's got Rachel as a partner, and Rachel can show that kind of feisty heel side of herself. So we'll see what kind of character he can uh, turn into. 
Absolutely, like we're at this thing where that faction, especially with Great Hancock being the leader, not, well, the co-leader of it is more of the heel side. Like, so Goddard taking a few pot shots and all that jazz. But speaking of Goddard, it's a line that was said by Frank Janish in the draft, and that was brought up in the the promo video. It was um, Frank Janish when he got nominated, when he got picked. It's not about what you know; it's about who you know. Yeah, I mean, I think when it came to Grace, look. You can't fault, you know, um, sorry, you can't fault Kate and Grace for doing that because, you know, Kate's a relatively new manager. She wasn't fully ingratiated into the Shmoda until about last year. Mm -hmm. So the safe pick for her is going by somebody she knows and works with every day. And because of that exposure to Ben Goddard, she's more likely to pick him. And again, it was a six-round pick. It, it, it was the last televised round. They're like I think at that point you were looking just at promising rookies or players who were looking to come off a bad 2019 and and have a good uh, comeback year. So yes, that's true, but also you can't fault Kate for that because she's had very little experience. True, and it's just a case of picking someone that you know, and also it's working. It's paying off dividends already. He's a cap. He's had one match already. He's got guaranteed second match. It's like getting someone that's in that circle is always going to be good because Christian's always want going to pull matches to cross promote. Yeah, so it's absolutely. Genius moment. Cross promoting SCN is definitely smart. However, look if he beats Bonnie or Brad and he's two and zero, and he goes up against another two and zero rookie, whether it's maybe uh, James White or a, a Barbarian or something like that, and he gets KO'd or TKO'd, it's not going to look great. So no. It, it, it's a good risk to take, but it, it could also backfire. So we'll see. Uh, just a quick say from the chat. Uh, Kenneth Lee, I think the bandit will at least post of Bonnie or Brett. Bonnie. But will yeah. she turn up? Well, we don't know. I hey. think even if Bonnie doesn't turn up, she'll win. <laughs> yeah. The chair can beat. <laughs> uh, look, yeah. And there was a comment also by RB3, because RB3, obviously, he was more primarily known previously being a part of the Wangers, stuff like that. It's like, he said in his pretty much comments, no teams, just me. Is that a smart idea for RB3 just to limit himself to singles competition? Or should he, or is he a player that can do well in teams? I think now because the team's division has become a lot more competitive, I think there's bigger opportunities for him to succeed in the team league. If you, if you look at the people that Winston has brought into his faction, there's a whole slew of them he could team up with and get a couple wins. It's not like 2017 where you... You had your elite teams, your okay teams, and then your subpar team. There's no secret that the Wangers were a subpar team. True. But if you go, and because of the um, relative ease of round one now in both teams and singles, you could you could accrue a lot of points and get a lot of wins, maybe an upset in a high scoring match, a la Looney Bid versus uh, a time machine. Absolutely. And even because there's only, what, four teams now that have actually got records, and one of them being the real rejects. It's so like if you get, as you said, if you get one good win under your belt, you're going to get three or four games. Yeah. And also him being 0-3 is really a big hole to climb out of. Mm. If, if, if you're 0-3 in any division, it's really hard to sort of get up back on that horse and, you know, charge your way to a championship. Unless you're like Mike Kalinowski in in, in Intergeekdom, and where Intergeekdom stopped being all about Fatal Five Ways and more about 1v1 matches. That's like the only occurrence of an 0-2 player becoming a severe threat to win the belt in that division. Oh, I'm being clarified there. Seven teams with records. Cause, yeah, because uh, you, you have the top five. You have 
real rejects and and others. Yeah, and one more we can't remember off the top of our heads. Nope. Uh, so just quickly looking at so obviously it's very fitting that I'll be free his own free. Just keeps in line with his name. Um, but I'm just quickly looking here for in the Squag Squad of who could be a potential partner for I'll be free. So you got someone like uh, well Chandru and Josh McCougar apparently are meant to be a team according to rumors. Which is interesting because if I'm Winston, I, I'm I'm making sure Chandru focuses all his strength on inner geekdom because mm-hmm. like between his performance against Smets and Harloff saying that like he was answering questions left and right during the spectacular during the championship match with Smets and Kalinowski, I think if he devotes his entire time to inner geekdom, he can get a belt. Like well, like he can win the belt. He's that good. I think splitting his time between teams and inner geekdom is gonna cost him a little bit in in, in IG. So I don't know how I feel about him and Makuga as a team. And also, when Kaiser was on SVN Live earlier this week, he was talking about the IG division, and he said the, p- the player that I'm most fearful of outside of my group is Shanju, especially yeah. with how his work. So kind of putting him with Josh, like, it'll be a fun team, no doubt about it. They'll dance away like he did in front of RB3 earlier today, but it'll be interesting. But looking at the rest of the squad, so you've got Liz Shannon Miller, Anna Malavik, Demi Ajabeje, if I can pronounce that name right, or obviously you've got Andreas Cabrera, the other half mm-hmm. of the Meaning Off podcast. Yeah. So it might, I mean, it might there are a lot of you know interesting combinations that can be made from that. Um, mm. it, honestly, if I'm RB three, I I grab a partner and I stick to teams. You know, zero and three singles. That's really hard to come back from. Um, you know, better to be zero and three than than to try again and get to zero and four. Unless he wants to face the loser of Bonnie and Brett and get a win. True. I think this might be the last time we see him in singles. Yeah, or at least for a long time. Until, like, unless he's willing to put up his career or something like that. But so we'll move on to the match now. So, and just say, got our strengths were Miller, Fantasy Sci Fi, and a banging jacket. Yeah, and it's interesting that he put Miller on there because I believe it was um, Merle who put that on there for his mm-hmm. Triple Threat match. That's a trend I think we're going to see more and more singles players and teams players putting IG slices on the wheel in order to gain some sort of advantage. Um, and as we saw with Goddard, it worked, you know? Yeah. got, yeah. Um, so, well, but that, that, that's a try I think we're going to see more and more. How do you feel about that? Because it does feel that if you have a base knowledge of at least like one of those things, it's much easier to study because you've only got one for Miller, if you've got six movies you have to watch, whereas... Well, I, I, I think when it comes to... Look, if you put a strength... If, if you if, like, it, if I was a geek player and playing a singles match and I put in an IG strength on the wheel in my singles match, I'm not, I'm, I'm not studying it because it's my strength. Hmm. And I know that I can easily go 4 for 4, 5 for 5, or whatever, get 9, 10 points out of it. So, you know, from my perspective, I'm just putting that as, like, if I get that, that, that that's guaranteed max points. That's got to be your mindset going into that. If you're even the slightest bit unsure, if you think you need to study, then, then don't put it on the wheel because you want to focus your time on other things you may not know as well. So, like, you had fancy sci-fi. So, I'm um, just going to say, introducing the third member of our team today, your teammate, Mr. Keller Boatman. Uh-huh. The man that knows all about the Scully Juice. What? Please stop. Ask called the Fan League. Apparently, that's now a thing. Let's not. 
Okay. Yes. So, right. moving on. so moving on. So I'll be free shanks with Spike Lee, movie release dates, and directors. So all okay. kind of directors not movie release dates are a terrifying prospect for if you are good at them because they're so broad. Like even if you're very movie strong... well, movie release dates, like that's a databank category. Hmm. If you yeah. if if you had a TV guide as a kid and you went through a, like if you're surfing through Comcast and you see a movie right next to the movie is the year when which it was released. So if you if you if you had a television as a kid, if you had basic cable and you saw the movie description, you know movie release dates. It's not that hard a category to study, in my personal opinion. But you know, take something like uh, uh, Spike Lee. That, that 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 that's a category that RB3 obviously knows very well because he put it on the wheel. Yep. And that's something that would have tripped up Goddard significantly if he got it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you do feel that Goddard probably even going up against about uh, RB3 knowing his likes and tastes probably would have studied that much than Spike Lee. But I think I'm not sure. Is Spike Lee one of the new categories. Yes, Spike Lee's one of the new categories. I think you have a lot of more actor and director specific categories joining the wheel. Um, And that's going to, I think that overall is going to create a lot of, I think it's going to make the game more interesting Mm. because let's say you get somebody like, let's say you get like Liam Neeson movies or something like that. Then you have to go through Liam Neeson's whole filmography and do it one by one instead of doing your, your, your usual basic Tarantino Spielberg binge that you would normally do for a, a, a singles match you know and then you have more obscure categories like tyler perry as kenneth lee just pointed out uh ice cube as leo logan just pointed out yeah. very strict filmographies that are you know unless you know it really well not a lot of other people are going to n- nail that category yeah ice, yeah. ice cube is going to be an interesting one because he's got some massive ones but then also just like this weird 90s film when he was still making his bones yeah, I mean, he has like, he has um, uh, Boys in the Hood, Friday, and then like the Twenty One Jump Street films. And then you also have stuff like Are We Done Yet? and Are We There Yet? Which are uh, the, oh, that's right. Which are Stone Cold Killers, oh, good films. Yeah, like to me, Ice Cube, it's like the equivalent of having like Justin Timberlake as a category. Like it doesn't really make that much sense to me. I think. I mean, they look. It my my. my like rule is if they have a large enough filmography, why not? To me, because it's not just a large enough filmography. It has to be a large enough filmography. You have to recognize that person. Like it has to be a person where you could go see a movie and you really almost recognize that movie as a genre as in their type of movie. Like you're going to see a Tom Hanks movie. If they're in that, you are going to see that type of movie. You know, you're not going to see a crime movie or a sports movie. You're going to see uh, whatever actor or director yeah. that person is movie. Like wow. to me, that kind of good thing. And I view like, I, I think it would be weird to have a Justin Timberlake slice. That's why I think it's a little odd to have a, a an Ice Cube slice because I kind of view those two like I think everybody thinks of them more as musicians first and actors second. I think they have been in some really notable movies, mm-hmm. but I also think that the movies that are just them are generally kind of considered. Oh yeah, that like they're considered afterthoughts. I view yeah. something like Are We Done Yet on the same level as. Uh, 
friends with benefits. I was like, is it no strings attached to Justin Timberlake was in there? Is it friends with benefits? Because well, I, I, I think what it does most of all is it counteracts the um, ease of round one. Because you saw both competitors got the perfect round plus the bonus. And those were pretty simple, easy questions. Now you throw in the fact that you can get any actor or director for questions in their filmography for round two. So I think it counteracts the, the ease of round one. And I think it, I, I think it makes the game a lot more interesting. We didn't see that today because we got Middle Earth and we got fantasy sci-fi. But I think going forward, we're going to see that impact the game big time. It's gonna be an interesting one. So, um, so how did we feel about round one when we saw because they did have both have perfect games and both got the perfect round, but but there was I'll be honest, I I looked at it and just like there was the hardest one for me was probably the Witch Act to receive a nomination Hello High Water, and that was just because it was just a case of oh wait was it a sporting actor or was it Jeff Bridges? Yeah, I mean. I, I think the hardest one in round one was probably the Labyrinth one, basically because it's an older movie. And, you know, but then again, I've never I've never seen the movie. David Bowie's the only person I know was in that movie. So automatically I'm going to guess David Bowie. And that was the correct answer. Dance, magic dance. Yeah, I, I think round one, it's really a case of it's a debut match. Generally, mm. when their debut matches... Round one, especially, like I think round one is generally the easiest round in the Shmodown, and I think that's intentional because that's so that anyone can really because that's the round where everybody you know you have that 15 seconds, so that's the round where you're watching this with Uncle Joe, who has seen three movies released in 2019. He knows, you know, David Bowie was in that one movie with the puppets and the Muppets, like. That I think the reason round one is so much easier is because that's the most accessible round. Like it's supposed to be for like the audience of people who aren't like super dedicated to trivia, so they yeah. can play along and actually uh, answer some questions. I think that's why round one is a little bit easier, especially in debut matches. But I think as you know, the the level of play gets up there, the 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 question difficulty does slightly raise a little bit. All right, and then the last question uh, was the comic book one. Uh, which adaptation? Which adaptation depicts an anti-government crusader who wears a massive historical figure, Guy Fawkes? I was just, when I heard that question, like I'll be free to repeat. It was just like, okay, that's an essay. Yeah, that's. I I think long questions can generally just kind of trip people up a mm. little bit, just because of how how long they are. I think if you just said what you know, comic book film has a main character that wears a Guy Fox mask. I think that question is immediately shorter and I think it's easier. So I actually think that might be the question is longer to kind of make that question a little bit tougher. But I, but I think if you, if you look for just keywords in the question, so like you have, you have comic book movies and then Guy Fox automatically your mind switches to be from Vendetta. Yeah. So, and then the bonus question with um, another comic book film uh, which comic book movie sequel features cameos from Brad Pitt, Bill Skarsgård and Matt Damon because personally to me I thought that was the the closest one round, a true round one question there was yeah that, that that's the kind of question I think we'll see as like the like I think that's a round one question you might see in like a Polyama versus a John Roca match mm. and in, in that one coming up um, 
but yeah, that's the closest to like the classic, the like the old round ones that that that, that we've seen. All right. So moving on. So we go on to round two. So it was nine and nine. So uh, I'll be free to first. Got our spins. Move release dates, which was I'll be free. Strength spins again and gets his strength of Middle Earth. First, I actually because they seem to like they put a lot of design work into Schmodown. The wheel looks completely different, and just like the way that the announcers were shot and just like the entrance way was struck really different as well. Do you like the new changes or it's like come back old changes? We like it better. I mean, honestly, it's mostly just aesthetics, so I'm kind of indifferent. It's like, Fair. yeah, these are fine. The old ones were fine. I'm good with whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I was indifferent about it too, but you know, this is the new era. You, you need, you need new graphics. I, I equate it to like there being a new graphics package every Super Bowl. You know, every, you know, like CBS will, will, will get a new graphics package for the scoreboard once every three years. Fox just unveiled one for for their Super Bowl that they just had. Graphics change almost every year, so. I, I was indifferent about it, but hey, looks really cool, and the wheel looked great. The wheel does look amazing, and even and Mark Ellis now is on comedy. That was awesome. That was the best part of the match. Honestly, we're seeing, we're seeing Mark's face on on that wheel. All right, so um, so we were speaking about this earlier about how important now Inagate being in round two is going to be. So Goddard got. Two, his first two correct, his third correct on multiple choices, then his fourth incorrect. Is that a good ratio to go A for a strength and B one by so narrow down? I, I think it's that's a that's not good if you're Goddard because look, that's your strength. If you have a strength, especially if it's like an inner geekdom strength that you're really good in, if you get less than 75%, eh, danger, danger, danger. It's not great. He, he, he scored five out of possible eight points, gave up a chance for a steal, which RB3 didn't get. But still, I think I think Goddard has to be wary of what he chooses for strength next time. Because if you're choosing a strength, you have to be confident that you go, that you go every, every single question, you get yeah. right. Yeah, I think especially in a category like Middle Earth, which I felt like for Middle Earth questions, those were those were brought down a little bit compared to like an inner geekdom debut mm. question. So that's a little bit dangerous, especially I'm thinking like if I'm Winston, I'm thinking, Ooh, Ben's playing an IG too. This could be, maybe we should focus his energy solely on singles and not as much on IG. If he can't hit, you know, middle earth in like that in singles. Yeah. You mean Kate. Kate. Oh. Yeah. Kate. And great. Forgive me, I, I mixed up my managers. Uh, yeah. We would like to announce Caleb Bowman is now fired. What? Uh, uh, RB3 is with your things. RB3 is with one, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. RB3 is with Swag and it's when, uh, the den with Ben, the Baker boy. Yes. Found it. That's right. That's right. I don't know how I messed that up at first. But yeah, um, I think if I'm Kate, I'm thinking. Yeah, I probably want to focus Ben's energy on on singles and not IG. Yeah, because because look, if, if you're missing an actor question in Middle Earth, what do you think is going to happen when you're faced with with massive plot point questions in IG? Very Sorry. different, very different breed of question. So I um, just said the two questions that he needed help with. Uh, who can, plays King Field in? He got he got it right the second he heard the name, but he couldn't pull that name. 
And then the second question which she got wrong was, which shot two veteran plays Radagast the Brown in the Hobbit series? Which, to be fair, is a very difficult question if you don't know Doctor Who. If you don't, if you can't think of the name straight off the bat, and then you get given Doctor Who as a glue, it's like if you're not into your eighty sci- British sci-fi. You see, I disagree with you there because I think that was kind of a headline back when the Hobbit movies were coming out. Like, oh, this you know this Doctor Who actor and had the name is going to be in the movie. So I think uh, now I'm I'm blanking on which one it is. So maybe Sylvester it McCoy. It. Sylvester McCoy. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I was like, which one is it? Because I actually watched Doctor Who, and I'm trying to remember what Doctor it was. But but I do think if you are using Middle Earth as a strength, you kind of need to know every B-tier actor that has been in those movies because you can't really ask who plays, you know, Legolas or who play like you, 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 they're if they're going to ask actor questions, they're going to be like those mid-tier actors that like oh yeah i know that guy and that boils down to choosing strengths yeah. like you can't go into coming like oh i know middle earth i like I, i've seen the movies it's a single smash so the questions are gonna be a little easier i know the basic plot of the movie no you need to know plot points galore every actor a or b tier or at least know them on on on, on multiple choice you need to know like again what happens in the movie who who dies? Who kills who? Who stabs who? What you know? What breed of orc marches on uh, Helm's Deep? You you need to know all that stuff. Um, so I think this is a learning lesson, like a, a learning opportunity for Goddard to sort of take a step back and sort of rethink his strategy in terms of strikes. Absolutely. Okay, so moving on. So RB three then spins. He gets family first, spins again, and ends up with Goddard's category of fantasy sci-fi which this is another thing because scott went with middle earth and fantasy sci-fi is he narrowing himself too much because you have that situation where it feels like he's gone okay i know fantasy i know i know this area i'm gonna stick with that nothing else or do you want to spread yourself out a bit more so you got one of like one of like fancy sci-fi then you have comedy or romantic comedy or something like that just so that you've if your opponent is strong in that as well you're not just completely like oh well all my strengths are your strengths choosing a broad slice like fantasy sci-fi is always dangerous because it's such a broad category you could get anything you get questions from movies you've never even heard of and then something like blade runner so the the opportunities for questions are endless so again Again, it, like I, I'm just not sure how I feel about a broad category being chosen as a strength. I think the two sli- like the two scariest slices in all of the Schmodown are sci-fi fantasy and drama. Because so many movies fall into the category of drama, so many movies fall into either the category of sci-fi or fantasy. Because if you get fan you get sci-fi, you could get stuff that's like very like intellectual sci-fi like arrival you can get action sci-fi like edge of tomorrow you can get horror sci-fi like alien there is so much and you can get fantasy you can get stuff like pan's labyrinth you can get the harry potters like there that is such a broad category and it's the same as drama so i think those are categories that i don't think anyone is really strong in them just because they can be anything true so 
with the categories, you should really just narrow it down as much as you possibly can, and like try and keep keep it to a director or a small genre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you are trying to trip up your opponent, then you can go for like a broader genre if you know your opponent straight up sucks at it. Mm-hmm. Like just hits. Like if I'm playing Jeff Snyder, I'm going to put animation on the wheel because Snyder hates animated movies. Like that's that's a case of. But you're not using that for yourself. You know, you're not putting that on the wheel because. This is what I want. You need. I, I think competitors should have one slice that is, this is mine, this is what I'm taking if I get spinner's choice, and this is what I go 10 for 10 in. And then another slice, it's like, this is what I'm doing, going to give to you for opponent's choice. This is here to screw you over. You see, I take a little bit of a different approach. If you're going into the match and you're clearly the better player, if you're the favorite, stick to your two strengths. I agree with that. because you, you you need to play to your strengths, play your game, get the easy win. If you're the underdog, if if you're coming into the match and not at, like look like if you if if you're if you're playing like a like like a John Roker or Ben Maven or Dan Merle and you're the underdog, you need to find categories that they suck at. That way, if they get that, it puts you two on the same level, no matter what category you get round two. I agree with that. All right, so I'm um, going through our big three questions. So uh, first one was, who plays Alex Murphy in 87th Robocop? Gets our multiple choice. Uh, who plays former Knight Sir, Be- Be- Sir Bedivere? Bedivere, thank you. I'm not English. <laughs> and King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, he gets that right on multiple choice. Uh, who plays Michelle in Enchanted? He gets that correct. And then finally, this 98... 1985 fantasy film was written and directed by Walt Merch. It's a direct sequel to the 1939 classic The Wizard of Oz. I'm surprised he couldn't pull that because, like, Return to Oz is a popular movie that people like to rag on. Mm. Now, I think especially for somebody like for people like the SEN crew, that's a movie that would have maybe popped up once or twice because of how bad that movie is. It feels so, as well. It should be one of those ones that you know just because it's oh my god, how the hell can you do a sequel to The Wizard of Oz three or four times now? Mm-hmm. So, um. So he went mobile choice, got that incorrect, and Ben stole it. So it ended up fifteen to thirteen RB to Goddard. So with that, and that's two- a massive, that's a massive point swing because let's say RB three gets it on multiple choice. It's a tie game, and he gets to pick numbers first, and he gets different categories, and that changes the whole game drastically. So that's a huge pull by Goddard to get that two point lead. So how would you? feel that you're in this situation so you're two points down going into the third round you've already lost twice in a situation situation like this where you've been chasing the opponent it's like are you in do you think rb3 was at the point which was just like mentally just like oh shit it's happening again i'm behind i'm gonna have to fight back or it's like no i'll and two words winston marshall you saw winston there like you're seeing now managers between rounds you know, like hyping up your players, consoling them if they had a bad round or something like that. You saw Winston just like telling RB3, like, hey, you got this. You're only down by two. Get some questions right, force him to, an- force him to answer some, and-, and hopefully you'll walk out of here with the win. And that's the ultimately the job of a manager. And that's something I think Winston's going to do very well this season. Um, I think he's definitely a hype man. He's definitely one to lift his players up when they're down. Um, and he did a good job of that. And if not for that two-point miss... 
we could be talking about our RB3 winning here. So how important do you think? Well, obviously the manager is going to be such an important factor now because every player pretty much has now got one. But a confidence manager like Winston, you're not going to go to him expecting him to be able to challenge every question if it's wrong. But he's going to, but just having that confidence in you and how important is that going to be for a player like RB3, like a Paul Oyama going forward? It, it's, it, it's huge because now they have somebody in their corner who necessarily they didn't have before. They know they have that support system, even if it's for a moral purpose to sort of like like show them through the motions, calming them down when they're like distressed or something like that. Um, and it can be a great moral boost for a, a, a player who's, you know, not like RB3, who's 0-2. You're down going into round three. And your manager helps you pick yourself back up. It's it's that simple. All right. So moving on. So uh, RB3 has got... Answered first for his two point was a romance question. Uh, who plays co lead with Sandra Bullock in two weeks? No, he gets that incorrect. I can't, I think he went Bradley Cooper. It's just like it's not a bad guess. I'll yeah, tell you that. It's not a bad guess. Even I mean, though, even though in the 2000s, Bradley Cooper exclusively played really dickish people. Yeah, yeah. I think it just kind of depends. It's not a bad guess, like because Sandra Bullock and Bradley Cooper did do a movie together at the same time. If you know, like. Did they give the release date in that question? Or maybe they no. Did. I just said who okay. plays Sandra Bullock. Never probably. mind. Never mind then. Yeah, but if, you, if it's a romance film and you don't know it, just guess it's a British actor. Nine times out of ten, it is. You're not wrong. I mean, guessing Hugh Grant. If it's a rom com, Hugh Grant is probably the best. Like, if I'm blanking on a romance question, I'm instantly gonna guess Hugh Grant. Yeah, that's like the go-to guess for a rom. It's really a case of if you're not positive. That it isn't Hugh Grant, it's probably okay. Hugh Grant, and that's why he gets arrested for so many murders. All right, <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible joke. I'm so happy they worked. All right, and then uh, I'll be free. Got the three point question, which is Jay's Burns' favorite question in the history of the universe. What '94 film has three songs that were nominated for best original song? Wait. And that's a good that, that that's a good yeah. question because if you don't if you don't know that the Lion King was released, I think I think the real the big cue was that it was ninety four. Yeah. And if you're like if you didn't know that the Lion King was out ninety four, you might not have gotten it. You might have guessed something like Starshank Redemption or something like that, or or Pulp Fiction. You know, Tarantino always has a a, a killer soundtrack to his movies. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, RB three knew it. That's a great poll. Absolutely. So that takes him into lead. Ben uh, Ben Gardo gets another essay for a two point question. Like I've got a, when I'm whenever I write questions, I wish I didn't do it for a ten word limit. Am I crazy for doing this? Because I don't. You're just lazy. Than, You're just no, lazy. I, I, it's not that I'm lazy. I just feel that if you give if you say too much, it's too much of a hindrance because you're hiding the information inside just ro- other information that you don't need so what do you want to do set like a uh, a word count limit you want to make it like twitter like you know 250 characters per question yeah i'm i don't know i was just, i was just saying that is that a thing is it's like two um questions that would have that come well, with like two well, or three this, lines well, for this particular question it's necessary because it's a it, it's a long prompt you know you you need to explain the question a bit 
So yeah, so I just said a question. In 1992, who does Aladdin pretend to be to save Jasmine from getting a handcuff off an emergent in the marketplace? Yeah. And that's actually, for a Disney question, I, I would say that's more of a three. Yeah. I've... I oh, wouldn't say it's a, that, that's a two, but like I watch Aladdin religiously, so I knew that off the top of my head. I think that's a case of... It's it's weird because it's a two and it's a three in a case. It's if you're a competitor who's not good at Disney, it's definitely like a two. But it's also a case of Aladdin was such a popular movie that that's one people watch all the time. But at the same time, that is a very that is a deeper cut question. So I kind of see the argument for it being a two and for it being a three. Hmm. Yeah, pretty much whatever day is, and well, and also it depends on. Do, do you think it's important the uh, when you're saying what's a two and what's a three, thinking of the actual competitor, or is it just a question itself? Because when you look at those two players, like they're both young, they both know should know that time period well because they were children that age. Would would you say, oh, that's a two pointer for them, but for like a John Roker or someone, or that's a three pointer? Because I I, I I think in a sense of writers should not be writing to the competitors. I, I think that is a case if you can't, you know, make an assumption that, oh, they're in this match. Well, for them, this is a two-pointer, but for anyone else, it's a five-pointer, mm. you know, or vice versa, right? Like, I think you have to kind of, you have to write for everybody. You know, an example is I write for a movie Warzone in the families. There's a question that I tested on many people that, they did not know. It was, uh, what does Keith give Watts at the end of uh, Some Kind of Wonderful, right? And that was a question that nobody knew, at least that I tested it on. And then both competitors in the match that it was in uh, knew it right away because they grew up in that era, and that's a movie that they both love. It's Brian and Jeremy. Ah, uh, oh, well. You give Brian and Jeremy any question in like a realm of film, and they get it correctly. I mean, yeah. a question that revolves around the eighties or the nineties, they are going to hit that more or less, pretty much. And then um, the final question: um, jumping quite the difficulty, jumping quite high. Um, five point horror. Which iconic character plays the title character in nineteen seventy one? See Domino Doctor Fives. I feel like with five pointers, you automatically. Like if like in um uh genreless categories, hmm. you go back to like the sixties and the seventies. You go back to those like questions about movies that no one outside of maybe a Drew McWeeny or an Ethan Irwin would have seen. So hey, hey, that's a fair five part question. I've never even heard of the movie. Yeah, I was about to say so, have you even heard of it because I would have guessed personally, I would have guessed like Peter O'Toole. But like horror classic Vincent Price, it makes sense. Make yeah, I could exactly. see I could see somebody guessing that correctly because Vincent Price is a logical guess because he like he, he he's a horror icon. I can see some I can see a competitor who may not know the movie at all, but know horror well, guessing Vincent Price and getting that correctly. Right. Yeah, one of those ones where you can take a logical shot, shot at it and possibly get it. But I'm um, just looking at it. So um, it was uh, 2010. A timeout had it as the 83rd greatest horror film of all time. So it's, I guess if you're 
if you're deep into horror, you probably know it, but I, I'm just looking at it now. It's just like, yeah, nope. No, I mean, look, it's a fair five pointer. True. It's a, it's, 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 it's only not a deep cut if you've seen the movie. I've seen the movie, and honestly, I can name maybe three or four people in a showdown who probably seen it. Yeah. So uh, got to win seventeen sixteen. So not TKO victory for him, but it's still good showing again a competitive match as well. So now going on, so obviously he's going to face the winner of Brett versus uh, Brett Sheridan versus Bonnie Somerville. So effectively, that's going to be a two zero record for him. It's like do- objectively, yes. Be like now, I love Bonnie, and she took Janine the Machine to sudden death, and mm-hmm. I do have all the faith in the world that Shannon's going to manage the hell out of her. Intermatch next Friday. However, I think Ben's. It'll be interesting to see. I think Ben's knowledge is a little more expansive, so I think it might come down. Like, yes, I I, I am basically penciling in Bonnie over Brett because while I love Brett, everyone loves Brett. His movie knowledge, it stinks worse than a week old jar of mayonnaise. It does. It 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 it, it really does. So I think Brett is a. I think Goddard's knowledge is a little bit above Bonnie's. So I'm going to pencil in that tuna record for him right now. Um, and whoever he plays after that, whether it's a Barbarian or a James White, or if it's another established like two and two competitor. So like maybe a Chance Ellison, who's like two and two, two and three. He's going to get a rude awakening when, when, when he's not facing people who aren't like massive showdown studiers. So it's going to be interesting to see going forward. Who do we compare him to at the moment? From obviously, we've only just seen him do, play once, so this isn't a fair representation. But if we had to pin, like, is he a Josh McCougar type level player? Is he a Video Drew type player, or do you, or is he someone like a Janine Machine that has got that room for improvement? It's too early to tell. I think, like, I, I can't make a good comparison of him after the first match because we haven't seen enough from him. Like, the sample size is too small. Then with round one being the being as easy as it is, it's hard to get a gauge on how good anybody is. Mm. Even I have a hard time defining Tom as an elite player, even though he's been so accurate in round one. I, I have a hard time penciling him into that into that elite category. Because I think round one, it gives you a sort of a false sense of security as to how good you are, personally. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I, I, I think we should, I think we're going to see in this next match what he is, how he fares with a category that's not his strength. That's the key. I, I if he had if he if he had gotten like a fantasy sci-fi or a comedy and he had gone like three for four, then I would say, all right, dude's got chops. Hmm. So it's really gonna depend on this bunny this bunny slash Brett match. If he can go in there and just take him out and just like if they can get a t- if he can get a TKO victory, for example, then you it's time to sit up and just go, okay, you're not just the sidekick on SEN Live. You've actually got a shot at doing something here. Yeah. Bowman, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with what Scully's saying. I think it's a little too early to tell, but I also think if I had to right now make a comparison, uh, more of like a prediction comparison, I'm going to say on the level of a Tim Franco. Okay. I think someone who can definitely hold their own probably, but not quite to an extreme level. Probably uh, more success in teams than in singles. 
I was about to say, obviously, his uh, team partner who came out with him, Rachel Silvestrini. Like, that, that's actually going to be a very interesting team because he's proven that he can stand in the lights and he's not going to get rattled like Devon Stewart did. Like, if Rachel's well, if if he's, I think the issue is going to be that if it's, if Ben is able to just put his ego aside and say, okay, you're the captain, I'm following your orders to both yeah. the managers and to Rachel, that could be quite a dangerous team. They could, I don't think they'll be in title contention straight off the bat, but I think by the end of the year, there'll be someone that you'll be terrified of to play in the tournament. I think they're a team like right now, they could do damage in the team's tournament, but not like in the title pictures that are like the current title picture is going to be currently established teams. Yeah. The next title picture, the ones good, that's going to involve Paul, Paul Harris, Paul Yama and Lon Harris, uh, Tom and Paul, um, Seibold and 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 Geralde. Um, yeah, I think in in with those teams, there'll be somebody to look out for. Again, not like again, it's too early to tell how Ben is, but we know how good how good Rachel is. And if Ben can sort of again put his ego aside, I guess in like I'm going to turn, not stay committed to the bit if he chooses to if you choose a strategy over character, hmm. I think they'll be able to go far. But if they, if, if he's one of these, who's going to put character over substance, actual playing time, he's in trouble. True. He will be in trouble. If he tries to mouth off during matches, it would be a bit difficult to like, like, like I, what, what, what I like from him was he said what he needed to say before the match. Didn't say anything during the match. And then gave his one remark once the match ended and left. That's a good sign because he's not going to try an Andrew Guyot and trash talk you all the time during the match. Not going to try to do a Snyder and just and just talk your ears off the, the whole time. He, he was very respectful today, and I enjoyed seeing that. Uh, just quickly pull up a comment back, Kenneth Lee, the cool guy said. Uh, did Ben only miss one question? He did. So in theory, he's got one of the best accuracy ratings in the history of the Shrondon now. How, how Again, I think you have to take into account the small sample size and the fact that it's the debut. Yeah. Those, those are two big factors that I think really the second match is going to be the make or break for Ben. If he can keep up even, like, not even that high of an accuracy, but even less, like, just slightly, like, 10% less of that, mm. even 15% less. Then I think he shows that he's a top tier player. I think that it's we don't want to discount or I guess hype up players after one match because I remember after Oyama versus Brennan Meyer, we cast Brennan Meyer aside. You know, sure. everyone's like, okay, well, Oyama's really good, Meyer not so much. He's in like the 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 oh the Owen one crowd over there, and all of a sudden, six like six months later, he's with Bibiani. And they're going up for a team title. I mean, it's it's too early to make any assumptions. Um, so, and we don't want to make any assumptions after just one match. Um, however, that's what that's what we'll, that's what we will be doing exactly after Robert Parker's first match, <laughs> yeah. which is a, a bit of a, of a special case. But again, we don't want to discount anybody. We don't want to overhype anybody after one match. We need to see how he does against Bonnie. 
Absolutely. So, um, speaking of Bunny, so we'll uh, move on to uh, talking about next week's matches. So, there are two matches, uh, one which will be here live to cover it straight after on Thursday and Friday. So, the we'll speak to the Friday match first because it does connect quite into this. Uh, so, you do have Bunny Somerville versus Brett Sheridan. So, we have kind of spoke about this before. The joke is, will Bonnie appear? But she did like to break stories for a minute. She did post on Instagram pictures of her being there. So, the match is pretty much definite. Unless they did some fantastic trickery. Like, what's going to score more? RB versus Dagnino or Somerville versus Sheridan? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what Brett has no chance. Ah. No chance. Well, again, love Brett. I, I, Bonnie is 0 2. She needs to win. She's going to come in here. She, I think she is going to show up. Uh, seriously, I think she will show up. Yeah. But Brett's not going to. I think Bonnie's going to show up. Brett's not going to show up in terms of playing. Very true. Very possible. Uh, just a quick people in the chat. Um, Peggy Gubbins, co-host of Fancy Film Vines on the Ooh. Ooh. Page, you know, page. Peggy, I know marijuana is legal in Chicago now, but <laughs> come on. And uh, Leo Logan. Taking off the route. Uh Bowman, do you have any opinions or is it just like um I think probably Bonnie, though it'll it'll just depend on how much either of them actually care. I think probably yeah. both of them are more just doing this because hey, it's fun. We're we're here with all our friends, let's have a good time, and that's not a bad attitude to have. So sure. I no, think they kind of just go in with that attitude anything can happen really if one i think it'll just come down to whoever wants it more yeah true i, I mean it, yeah and brett and ben may finally get his date with bonnie won't that be sweet yeah. And, yeah. and now talking uh going over to the other match from uh which will be released on monday tuesday on the patreon and then thursday to on the SEM page, this is probably the first, the second match outside the triple threat where no, there's not clear, oh, this person's going to win. Which is uh, the team of Tom and Paul Preston taking on Deep 13, which are Londo's Raulde and Whitney Seibold. I think that, look, Tom and Paul are, are, are the clear favorite here because of how well Tom played at the end of the season, mm -hmm. plus how well Paul Preston played at the end of the season. Took Ben Bateman to like the final question. Uh, which was, I think, one of the most underrated matches of the year was was Paul Preston versus Ben Bateman. The jury's still out on Duralde and, and Seibold. I'm somebody who is not at all sold on Whitney Seibold as a great player, personally. I know he was great with critically acclaimed. However, he did miss a lot of easy questions in his time with Bibiani. So unless they unless they can mesh really well and unless rb rb rmb sorry can find a way to manage them in a way that works for both of them hmm. i'm i'm gonna take tom and paul i don't think it'll be like a tko or anything i think it's gonna be a close match Duralde and inside will have a chance but i think i think because of how different tom and paul are that's going to be the difference Honestly, I think the biggest liability in this match is Robert Meyer Burnett. I think Alonzo and Seibold are two players who are very much, I go in with the knowledge. I'm not really about the gameplay. I'm just here, you know, for the straight trivia knowledge. 
And I think under the hands of a different uh, of a manager who is like very much about the gameplay and really studying the game, they could actually be a championship team. I don't think currently with RMB managing them, they have that ability. I think Tom and Paul are two competitors who will really care about the game. And they've got a manager like Kate who is really focusing the game. So I think I think it actually could be a TKO. Yeah. I, I, I think I think so too. I think it's interesting because Kate's getting a lot of matches here in, in the early going. She has a lot of the debuts tapped up on on, on the schedule. So points wise, look, she's gonna get points from Ben's win. Um She's not. Look, she may she may get points from Brett's. She may not, and then she'll and then she could probably get points from Tom and Paul too. So we could going into, you know, the week after next, she could be in the lead in terms of points. Absolutely. So, so. it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that match checks out. I just looking at the rest of the month as well. If they do, if Brett can pull out that win and Tom and Paul do as well, she'll probably be in the lead for the. At the end of the month, which would be an interesting situation for them. Uh, but you know, but, you know. But then again, you have a lot of you know managers that haven't had matches yet because either you're like Finstock and you had the the defending champions, or you're like Kaiser and you have defending champions too. Yeah, absolutely. I am um, just quickly go back for the thirteen because that's an interesting team because I think. When everyone was looking at them, we all saw it as like, oh, we need someone like a Paul Yaman. They need someone that's younger, that knows more about the blockbuster stuff. Whereas, is there more value in putting a team together of people that know each other well outside of the game? Like, they're able to actually talk to each other, study together, do all that stuff. I think if they're two very dedicated players, that is an advantage. I think these guys, when Seibold and Duralde are together, I don't think they're really strategizing about the Shimona. They might bring it up in passing conversations, but I think they have other and more interesting things to talk about. I, I don't think, at least from the way I see these players, I don't see the Schmodown as these players' like top priority. I think they it's something that they like to do, but I don't think they study the gameplay aspect of it. You know? Look, and and if knowing people well, if knowing your, your teammate well outside the Schmodown, if that was any indication of what a good team is, the Wangers and Tough Beats would have been champions a long, long time ago. Same with the real rejects. Uh, <laughs> would have had all the belts. Yes. They got all clothes. the belts. Team action. All the belts. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to piss off call to action as much as I can right now. Yeah. They got no- did they even have a title match? I don't think they did. They never got to a title match. The closest they got was a number one contender match, I think. Against the Shire Wolves. They yeah. suck. But so um that's pretty much it for the Schmodown if you like that. But they're not the only league fans come back this week. There have been one or two others, especially uh considering we've good self down there. Mr. Yeah, Bowman. I mean this is this is the Schmodown show, so I think we want to keep the Conversation schmo schmo down base, but there are a lot of things going but, on. Hey, but you know, a lot of sports shows cover the minor leagues, so yeah. we, we might as well Fair give enough. them. Just, dudes, yeah. We'll give a quick passing mention to the about the fact that Warzone's back. Yeah, Warzone uh, multiplex movie is back. 
Uh, we do have, uh, we just had Adelaide Spence versus Abby Friel. Spence, you may know from Call to Action. Abby Friel, you may know from her Shimona and Trigger Twitter reaction. We uh, aired that last night. It was a very fun debut match. I think it kind of actually plays in to what this match was in a sense of it was a debut match with a little bit easier uh, difficulty questions, but that's more. Debut matches are supposed to just be fun. You know, they're yeah. supposed to just be, okay, what's your personality? What's the dynamic here? How is this going to be? And I think that's uh, that's what we got. And then we also had uh, double Andrew Barr day uh, today with Andrew Barr versus Damian Walker and then Light It Up versus Cult Classics, Andrew Barr's team. I, which, uh, I, if you're a fan of dive bars, today is the day for you. Yeah, definitely. And um, was a uh, former, of course, put their out their fateful way match and FPTL Donosh stuff. We had uh, Jay Burns, Nick Tuig versus Brian Michaels, Caleb Cole. Really fun match, you should watch it. Uh, but more importantly, on the FPP page this week, it was the um, Fancy Film Fights match show, which is so much fun. I love this. I, I'm saying, I'm saying that this is important because Peggy's in the chat and she shouts at me if I don't talk about it. Also, if you want to see a dead body, watch Wednesday's show. When Adelaide Spence had to have his cor- had had their corpse carried out on a stretcher, yeah. thanks to Kirk Kowalkowski and Jake Maricone. There was nearly a murder. It was interesting. But yeah, I think that. But wraps- hey, they picked Chicago, so true. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for what we have here. So obviously, um, keep your eyes peeled on. But all the pages we have so at facebook.com slash new british empire um if people are interested odds are there is going to be a game tonight going on in a bit after this like give me like 10 15 minutes but please don't harass me about you it have to take a wicked tessa i do and also uh fpp all the sh- stuff we got multiplex and all his stuff and scully you can find in the bushes somewhere selling his scully juice anything else we need to talk about before we wrap up here or how do you sleep at night? I don't. <laughs> I think you, I think it's very well known. I'm an insomniac, and I stay up until like seven a.m. in the morning, and just like, okay, now it's now to face the day. I'm dead oh, well. inside. But yeah, well, uh, are we all act accordingly? <laughs> yeah, so I'll come back Thursday for our reaction. Well, not reaction. Our post-match analysis on Tom and Paul versus D13. Monday unbox on FVP. We got Andrew. We actually do have the guy that he was just talking about, Andrew Barr. Dive Bar, the Dive Bar night continues on Monday. And that, I think that's it's Dive Bar weekend. Dive Bar weekend. It's a, it's, it's a weekend that goes long weekend spent in a bar. Sounds Tony, what you have to do is you have to now do a live stream of you just watching diners, drive ins, and dives on Saturday and Sunday just to complete the Dive Bar weekend. Kenneth Lee would just blow up. If we did that, it just it, you just would just see this small explosion of just like happiness and joy, and it's just like, oh, yeah, he died. Yeah, yeah, I could probably hear it too. Oh, yeah, and also, uh, keep your eyes out. We might be doing some of the Oscars. We haven't decided yet, but yeah, thank you very much for watching, everybody. Anyone want to say bye bye? Alvida, son. <laughs> <laughs>